We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up the Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1 a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Light years is so fucking crazy to me. It's so crazy. Light years is so fucking crazy to me. It's so crazy. Hey, Andy. Sam, what's wrong? What's wrong? This guy's got just look at his face. He's just do he's you, smiling, uh, but he looks fed up. I know something's coming. Do we owe oh. Adam Silver an apology? Oh. Because. I'm seeing baseball without their bubble. Um, you know, I, I it was great to watch some live sports for, and it, it, we got all of three days before the other shoots started dropping. My Giants split a series against the best team in baseball. I mean, come on! I mean, they're not the best team, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, no, they are the Vegas favorites. We'll call them the best team at all. Otherwise, uh, what I was gonna say is. Um, you know, all the people who spent multiple months talking about how the bubble is a terrible idea, all of a sudden are now using the bubble as proof that MLB is a worse idea. And I just think it's funny. Uh, I think it's pretty funny. It's, uh, well, to me, it almost seems like a, um, a lesser of two evils if you're going to start sports at this point. 
And to me, for I still I still think like you're right in saying, you know, maybe the NBA shouldn't be playing games from a safety perspective, but man, not doing the bubble, Sam. I mean, I think just even an idiot can kind of just say, if you're gonna try to play sports with 30 teams <laughs> and you're gonna not just constantly getting on planes across the country, yeah. How does it make any type of sense? And this uh, is what I actually I actually have a different take than you. Um in terms of they have to try. I what I don't get is people who want private businesses and sports to not try. But but if you were to there are smarter ways and dumber ways to That's do it. That's exactly think, exactly and I think point. objectively <laughs> I never understood why people were anti the bubble. Um, other than they just want to shop in misery porn their whole life. You know, it's just like, there's a specific, and and this is probably an online thing, but there is a specific caliber of sports writer, media personality who is just addicted to misery and they just want to see things fail. And so like, they got so excited that baseball you know, the, the Marlins situation and God knows where that's going. Like, I think you agree with me. You, you hope it, it doesn't um, ruin baseball season in your mind. You don't know that you believe that, but you hope because it's fun to have it back. I think most people um, that aren't as Twitter online as us, or, or most of the people that are online, uh, are probably pretty happy that sports is back. I know a lot of people that I hang out with are saying, you know, I can bet on baseball. You know, I never watched it, but I can bet on something. I can bet on scrimmage basketball. I would not recommend, though, you can bet, do the bet online promo code Blue Wire. But I think that's the norm, right? And I think what you're saying about media is important because to me, it always fe- it doesn't always feel like being right online is more important than, you know, kind of actually discussing what's going on. Like, doesn't it feel yeah, like people care more actually, about that? It's a little that's weird. That's actually a good way to put it because to me, I think the prevailing sentiment is I want sports back. I want them to do it safely. I don't know if that's possible. You know, like I, we all have various levels of doubt. Some people are a little more optimistic. Some people are a little more pessimistic, but we all want the same thing. And there's just a lot of grandstanding and the grandstanding is getting a little tiresome. I'm going to read one thing to you. Like, do you remember Sean Doolittle? Uh, yeah. the, the nationals reliever saying sports are a reward for a functioning society. And my timeline is just hundreds of people just, Oh my God, that's so profound and smart. And I'm like, no dude, sports are, a source of income for like a million people in this country. And as usual, everyone thinks sports starts and ends with the owners and the players. It does not. It doesn't. I'm not even talking about the coaching staff. I'm talking about the training staff. I'm talking about low level people who just work in the sales department. I'm talking about like people who work in it. Every sports team has like a pro has a big it department. I'm talking about just people of normal jobs who, instead of selling Salesforce software, are selling Giants or A's or 49ers or whoever it may be, that's the product they're selling. They're not selling, you know, a uh, Toyota Camry at a car dealership. They're selling Lexus, sports. you know, brand new but, Lexus, you know, if you will. 
Um, uh, but you get what I'm saying. And it's right. just like, you know, for for a certain amount of people to claim they have, we need to be more empathetic. They lack basic empathy for a lot of working class people who just happen to take a job doing the same things that you, I, Ben, Neil, uh, the guy down the street, whatever do, they just happen to do it for a sports team. Um, I think a lot of it, great point there. I think a lot of it's also, you kind of got to live in real life. You kind of kind of live in the real world to kind of realize that there's more to, to kind of what's going on in sports other than the owners and the players and the coaches, what you're saying, right? Like if you work in an organization or even if you work like at a restaurant or something like that, you kind of just know like, yeah, you can close all the restaurants in San Francisco and say, you know, it's it's a good thing because we don't want people to get COVID. But, you know, you can also feel bad because there's probably someone that's making $16 an hour, you know, $16.50, that's minimum wage in San Francisco, that is now on unemployment. And it, it sucks. And it's like, you, you got you to gotta be empathetic towards that, too. And I, I do feel like a lot of the times that point is missing, especially, especially, especially. Um, I mean, with sports writers, because... Think about the sports writer job, Sam. It's a pretty pretty privileged job. Like you're you're a yeah. freaking sports writer. What is that? <laughs> what is that? That's not a real job. So I think that's a lot of times people just don't live in the real world because sports writing is not a real thing. It's and there's also the the other thing, which I don't want to make this a coronavirus podcast, but inevitably everything about sports will involve COVID until you know we have vaccine and the pandemic's over, right? Um, 2023. Oh, God. On some level. Anyway, um, what I was going to say is, you know, most people are trying to find a way to do their job and live their life. And they're not necessarily looking for an excuse to stay home. And I think the last thing I want to say is an NFL guy, uh, Kyle Brandt, which is what spun this to me, tweeted today. There's a segment of NFL media who's almost rooting for COVID to affect the season. They want it. They see Marlins news and say, yep, lot, lots of luck, football. Yeah, These are people who make their livings off football. I don't get it. This guy got dunked on all over Twitter with just an absurd amount of media people saying, if you think we're rooting for it, like you're wrong, blah, blah, blah. But I will say I got what he was saying because I log online like you do every day. I spend way too much time online like you do every day. And that's the tone. That's the tone I read. That's the tone you read. So whether it's the accurate feeling or not, that's the way it's coming across. And if you claim it's not, I I mean, I'm just calling a little boy who cried wolf with you. If you say that, you know, like, I don't really believe you. You're a, te- you're a writer, you know how to use words, and you want to pretend that you know, you're know you not wording things a certain way. We know there's an emphasis on covering it and, and doing things a certain way. Um, to me, it's not that I don't take it seriously, but I got where he was coming with it, which is like, you guys are just shopping in misery to a degree. It like almost seems like you're rooting for it. I don't actually think anyone's rooting for it, but I can understand why someone would think that. People, people do love. I, I, those are great points. I, it's you know, I, though ultimately they'll say, I, you know, I don't know if it's it's such a bad thing. I, I don't know how much it pain. Now, I think the bad thing here is is if it impacts the way that 
you know, the fans that read the tweets or read, read the right writings, like how they feel about it. I think that's, that's probably bad. If that were the case, I, I don't know if it is. Cause I do feel end of the day, most people in the world uh, do are just excited that sports is back. And there's no, like, there's no like, any moral... semblance of normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no, like, you know, like, like our, our, like nobody that's a normal fan is like, Oh my God, I, I'm going to feel really bad if, if I myself, I'm, there's no moral like guilt for feeling that, you know, I want baseball back. Um, and I don't think that Although my mentions, be. my mentions right. disagree with you. They constantly tell right. me I'm a bad person for, for rooting for it. So it, exactly. And, and, and so I, you know, I, I don't I like most people, if you were to ask, do you want people to get sick? Do you want people to like, it, it, are no. you? Are you really pissed? only a sociopath would be like, I really hope a million people die from it. You yeah. know? Like, 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 are you like, no, but like, are you like, oh, are you mad that Avery Bradley is not playing this season because he doesn't want to have his kid get sick? Like nobody's actually wanting that to happen or like saying, oh, you should be playing, right? Like nobody's actually feeling that way. Most people are just like, well, Avery Bradley is not playing. We get it. It sucks. But, you know, I still want to watch the Lakers play. That's the overall sentiment. So I, I don't – so it's kind of like a straw man thing, right? I think at this yeah. point it's kind of like a straw man. Like not for us, but like for, for me that's all pissy about this stuff. It's not a straw man thing. Nobody actually is saying I want – you know, I want these guys uh, to get sick or like you will – you feel like if you want to watch games, you want people to get sick. I don't think anyone's feeling that way. I That's why I, I agree with you. It's just a lot of – it might just be an internet thing, and I would assume most of our listeners oh, are internet time. people. So um, <laughs> I just wanted to start with that. Uh, you're, I think you and I are aligned on this. We hope everything works out. We have, let's just say, uh, I'm skeptical of baseball's protocols right now. Um, I feel a little better about the NBA's plan, and I still don't feel like 100% proof there. But like, you got to take a risk. Um, so. Yeah, the MLB doesn't even have a bubble. The NBA, I'm sure, you know, there's there's stuff going on there. I've never never heard of so many family emergencies. I, you know, please, I hope their families are okay. But something tells me that I maybe mean, they're not really family emergencies. You know, like 20 people as uh, family emergencies. I don't know about that. I have, uh, but a, I, have, I have a good one for the premium pod for Sam sources. So yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. We'll t- remind me for for premium midweek, but uh, yeah. but it's not going on here. I um that is <laughs> the type, listeners that is the type of tease that will just get people infuriated at me. I'll, let's move this. Let's move this to the Warriors. We we did what we wanted to do here. I got one thing out there. I'm sure it will get a lot of backlash from people. Who cares? Um, friend of the show, Bomani Jones, got a little heat from Warriors Twitter last week. I will say this, Warrior fans. I mean, well done. The reason people, I mean, well done. <laughs> the reason people bait the Warriors online is because they know they will get that reaction. They are the new Kobe fan base. They are the new, like, it reminds me so much of the mid OOs when, like, people were like, Kobe's overrated. Oh, and, like, the yeah. cult of Kobe was like, how, how dare you? How dare you say that? You know, you know, like, they're ready to. They're ready to fight. They're ready to drive to Temecula and fight you, you know? Like, that's where we're getting at with Warrior fans. And so I actually um, – let's have Ben insert the audio, a little clip of what Bomani said. I actually think you guys should listen to the whole conversation, um, you know, after you've 
caught up on all the light years episodes you listened he could get his own shot if he shoots it for 40 like coming across the line and he's got like sick handle and all of that stuff there's something different it's hard to explain what it is with Steph but Steph is somehow like the greatest system player of all time and I'm not saying that to shade Mm -hmm, him mm -hmm. but you are not going one four flat no that's the thing like get us a bucket that's the thing the thing is even little than Kyrie are different in a way that you can tell them go get me a bucket in a way that doesn't involve, and this is not a shade to Steph Curry when I say this, trickeration. Yes. Like everything with Steph sets up off of the shot, off of the threat of him beating you off from 35 feet. So when he crosses you over, he's getting you off your feet because you are worried about him stepping back and hitting the three compared to Kyrie or Dame. When taken out of context in like a 40-second clip, I can understand why Warrior fans were upset. I actually didn't think what Bomani said was that bad, but I'm going to start with you. <laughs> oh, you're going to let me start. Um, all right. So, okay. I I love Bomani, actually. I think he has the best takes outside of Steph. Here's the thing about Bomani Jones. Um, he's had these takes about Steph Curry for a long time. I think for people that don't listen to Bomani and, and what he says about basketball and the Warriors and Steph Curry, this is not the first time he said that. Um, I remember listening to Bomani a few years ago talking about how you can stop Steph Curry. And one of his things was, hey, you know, make sure, you know, you can do one thing is if he's going to come back and he's going to shimmy and he's going to do all this stuff, you know, kind of stick an elbow in this gut kind of thing. You know, get play a little physical with Steph Curry. And when I listened to that, by the way, Bomani, probably one of the smartest guys in, in sports media. When he said that, I, to me, I said, oh, it rubbed you the wrong way. I know. He, he, it was just he didn't really understand he didn't. He didn't really understand Steph Curry like that to me. So, so when Andy I heard was, this, Andy, Andy just grabbed a ball at Jamie and got in his car, and he's like, "I'm fighting. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm driving right off the bridge." I it, it, and so when I heard this, I wasn't surprised. Um, Bomani's not, you know, he's going to say that it's no slander, right? He's going to do a little hedging, but to me, I think it's it's a it's very um it's a very easy case to explain like hey the guy just doesn't understand Steph's impact and I'm not saying like so the, the interesting th- to the interesting Steph's basketball the interesting I, I, thing is in a different part on the podcast he kind of mentioned how uh he saw Steph at Davidson because I think he mentioned he was living in North Carolina at the time which is more of just a confluence of events right um but he constantly mentioned like I'd never seen anything like him but you know what that is? To me, when someone's saying that repeatedly while having that kind of like semi-incendiary take, I think that's just him trying to hedge and cover his ass. I just, I, to me, when he said the ISO stuff, isn't that kind of just the most, how often have we seen that, Sam? That's not something new. It's just something that a guy like Bomani said. It's not new. Like, so there's, there's, a couple, there's a couple things I want to say about that. One, I've always applauded the one thing I really respect about Bomani when he's talking about Steph and um, I would love him to come on the show and kind of speak his piece himself, but he's talked about Steph. I mean, he has a national show. We've heard him talk about Steph for like a half decade now. Yeah. So there's enough there. He's always acknowledged. He makes him rethink everything he thought was true about basketball you know like you you know how like with certain things like there's certain truths like you learn in life don't do certain things because it won't work and like when we watch sports we come up with these little truisms where like you can't win playing that way a superstar can't look like that cannot play like that right and to me 
I, Bomani was always self-aware enough to acknowledge like Steph makes him rethink that stuff. Um, and this is the way I read it, but I've always taken it more as a compliment to Steph and ultimately why the Warriors were as popular and are as popular as they are, why they, why their for, their rise was one of, I mean, really the only team in my lifetime who had that level of like a fever pitch around him was like the Jordan Bulls. Um, it's because people could not, it truly blew people's minds. Like, wait, you can win like this. You can do this. Right. I didn't think this was true. And Bomani is honestly like, uh, to me, he, he is a manifestation of an old school way of thinking while being self-aware enough to understand he's pointing at, that he's he's old school with it you know yeah but if so that's why i think it's interesting yeah but if you're self-aware of it and you're wrong then you just come off like an asshole and an idiot that's the problem <laughs> but but, that, but that's the problem if i'm if sam if i'm self-aware that i'm an alcoholic and i keep drinking and texting you every sunday and saying i should stop drinking who's the asshole and the idiot here but you do do that. Yeah, exactly. That's the exact point <laughs> I'm trying to make. <laughs> the problem when you're self-aware about these things and you keep playing, making the same mistakes. And here's the thing. The, the, the kind of the crux of all of this is like, Warriors fans were pissed off about this. And even I tweeted a lot about this over the weekend. I don't well, really fans, Warrior fans, Warrior fans get pissed are, about everything. <laughs> they're very, it's no longer like a theory that Steph's disrespected. They outright think he's Jesus on the, Cross, it's pretty, it's pretty you know? amazing. It's pretty yeah. amazing. But the stuff when you kind of say like, hey, Steph, you know, he gets his own shot from 40, but, you know, he kind of can't play in a one four set. And you say okay, this so I, I, when you're but when you're obvious, hold up, but when you're obviously wrong like that, I don't really care how self-aware you are. You're just wrong. Like you're just wrong. And that's where to me, you got to talk you, about that real quick. That's to yeah, me, that's yeah, the most interesting part, because um we also, saw who cares, Steph, right? We saw ahead. Steph. Uh, well, one, you're right. I don't. If you win by setting screens, set screens. But uh, okay, we right, saw sorry. the Warriors rise in 14, 15, 16. Steph had probably the best individual season I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, it involved a ridiculous amount of late game isolations, right? Yeah. And then he gets hurt. And then the last thing people remember is he can't shake Kevin Love in the finals. And then they get KD. And by default, like literally, if you look at the rotation the last four years, it's Steph, Clay, KD, and no one else who could shoot the ball, you know, like literally no one else, right? And so beyond the fact that they're moving the ball more just so everyone gets touches. We don't get to see Steph ISO as much. And so that's what I think a lot of the slander that comes towards Steph, you know, people will say he was the beneficiary of KD coming. His legacy was was improved by winning three rings and they wouldn't have won three rings without KD. Mm -hmm. I still think it's the opposite because he, they lost the 16 finals and he was subpar, and we could talk about the injuries all we want, but anyone who doubted him used that as an ex- to, as sure. proof to be like, ah, I told you. Right. And then KD comes, and then it's just kind of, I mean, anyone who understands basketball knows it's such a straw man to, and it's just inaccurate to not say Steph is, you know, 
one of the three best players this era, an all-time great, uh, changed the game, amazing in every possible way. But if you are skeptical of him, the way 16 ended with KD coming gives you all you need to say it. And here, here's here's the thing, too. I think with Steph, people are just – people want him – look, you're always going to criticize someone that you want to criticize. We can do the LeBron stuff all day long. We could do the J.J. Barea stuff all day long. At the end of the day, it's just – if you want to be the guy that criticizes Steph, you could do it. If you want to be the guy that criticizes Kobe, same thing. For me, it, to me, it feels like – so do you want Steph just to shoot 30 times a game? We talk about this all the time because he can. He could shoot 30 times a game and average 35 points a game. He could do the James Harden. But then what's the point of that? The guy, all the guy does is win. So do you want him to just shoot more from 25 feet? Uh, and if they lose, does that make it better? Because the de- degree of difficulty technically goes up. It's like the Kobe stuff, right? Kobe loves shooting the toughest shot, no matter what. But at the end of the day, the people that love Kobe say, well, he's got the balls to shoot the toughest shot because he's an alpha. And then the critics say, well, he should pass the ball because he's he's triple teamed. And those are inefficient shots. To me, it's the like- truth is probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> like you need to take some of those shots. <laughs> right. He he loved to go to that well a little too much. Always. Always. But but like on the flip side, we've watched players who we know pass up shots they should take to protect their numbers. And then you walk away and you're like, what do you mean James Harden was the reason that they lost? He scored 35 points. I'm like, watch the game, buddy. And no one's me- no one's denying his talent. But watch the game. And then to me, the other piece as we as we go through the kind of the audio here is also um, if you are going to criticize someone like Steph Curry, please don't bring Kyrie Irving into the conversation. Please don't bring Damian Lillard. Like Steph wipes the floors with these guys, and I think bringing these guys into the conversation is disingenuous um, to the point where it's like, look, if you don't like the guy for whatever reason, you don't like the guy. That's fine. And honestly, I feel like a lot of media media don't like the guy because they're LeBron fans. LeBron money's a bronze stand. It's he is, and that's most media. And if Steph Curry's the guy that won three titles during LeBron's kind of reign, quote unquote, not gonna be happy about that. And so I think that's part of it too. Um, and whether you can kind of admit that bias or not, it's up to him. But um, you know, most media are bronze fans, and this is what happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there so is an there isn't an, there is an irony in like we're, we keep mentioning Kobe, but Kobe's Honestly, his career trajectory is the most similar to Steph's. Winning the titles. Anyone who watched the first three Pete Lakers knows Kobe mattered a lot. You know, maybe Shaq was better. Oh, Shaq was definitely better for large chunks of it. But either way. I see your point. And then Shaq leaves. And all it is is like all the people who thought he was overrated just – it's open season on slandering him for being selfish, being a bad teammate. These aren't like, these are different, different criticisms for Steph, but like ultimately it's like all the things that people wanted to say about him, they got to say, and then Kobe got his second run, you know, with Powell and Odom and uh, a team where he was very more unquestionably the alpha. Right. And, and he, uh, you know, you he wore he won two you more. Are, if you're yeah, slandering Kobe after he won five, three with Shaq, two without Shaq, doing it his own way in different in a different team, like then you're just a hater at that point, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
So and the cra- the crazy part too is is uh Steph won one, you know, not quote unquote by himself, but he won one as the unsqu- unquestioned alpha. Uh then he wins two with Kevin Durant. And so that's a little bit different from Kobe. Also, what do you think, Sam? Like he needs to win one or two more to get on that level? One more I think if he more. wins one more, he's proven everything he needs to prove. I think if he if he wins a couple more, then he's in that top five vault. Yeah, that's category. crazy, right? That's um, crazy. But like, we'll see how it goes the rest of the way from here. I think he's going to be appreciated a lot more when we realize it's over. I just, I just think so. Like a lot of people who criticized him for the vast duration of his prime will then start like waxing poetic about how he changed the game. Ah, it's always how it goes. So he's got a little Kobe, Kobe vibe to his career. He's got a little Tim Duncan vibe to his career. Um, that's this it. is, is that by the way, why bottle of and- wine you're drinking? Jesus, no, no, it's not. Oh, I was gonna say that is impressive. Come on, man, it's just a beer. Um, <laughs> what I was gonna say is this is by the way, why MJ is untouchable because yeah. MJ's career was just an upward trajectory, reached the peak. And then just sat at the peak for a decade and then just like later guys, you know, retired. Like there was no, like everyone else's career is a little more like LeBron or Kobe where it's like, you know, there's the upward climb. There's some ups and downs. You hit the top. And then at some point you start going down, you know, MJ never had to go down, which is cool it may it like adds some mystique but like it's <laughs> good luck matching that yeah right like even even the warriors i mean they winning they beat the mj record of 73 and then they just they can't win the title like it's it's an impossible almost an impossible task um to pull off what mj and the chicago bulls did um we can continue the bon- bonnie convo i gotta do a few reads sam uh before we move on all right so we got a new sponsor deal dash so have you heard of deal dash.com it is the best and most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day, electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just five seconds. So it's like an auction NFL draft, right? You can time it to 10 seconds and somebody... You know, somehow it gets Patrick Holmes for $15 if, if, you know, the Wi-Fi goes nutty. So that means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer to the item uh, or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. So go to DealDash.com, use offer code LIGHTYEARS or DealDash.FM slash LIGHTYEARS. That's DealDash, sorry, that's DealDash.FM slash LIGHTYEARS. All right, we got one more. We got the uh, the classic uh, bet online. Um, bet online only only doing better. Uh, MLB, fingers crossed, stays. NBA, you can actually bet on the uh, scrimmages. I know Sam put you know twenty thousand dollars on the Lakers the other day. Pretty insane. Um, Dion Waiters, want him some money. So sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite team. Twenty thousand Bitcoin. <laughs> A lot. Bitcoin's at eleven right now. Uh, Major League Baseball is finally kicking off. Uh, Joe Lacob's happy. It's finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds. Eddie George was a hell of a running back. Yeah. Wow, Eddie George. Harold Reynolds, who's a uh, baseball, I believe, uh, also an announcer. And then seven time NBA champ, Robert Ori. Um, and see, so see what they had to say 
Uh, it'll be like playing without fans in a series that they're calling Fandemic. It's pretty cool. So visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Uh, news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Receive your new welcome bonus. Promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering. I'm actually so excited to start betting on sports on a regular basis now. Um, you know what my favorite thing about bet online is, is you can actually just place like $5 bets. You know, like uh, I always like was, I didn't want to get into sports betting. Cause like, I was like afraid I'd become like a gambling degenerate, it's but it's like, but it's like, you can legitimately just like, we all have, five to 50 bucks a week we can blow and like quite frankly we probably do just going out to a bar doing something dumb like that right and we're not doing any of that now so (laughs) um i I just think it's fun to play some parlays do a little bit um you know i it's it's just it's just a good time it's a little more fun when you're watching orlando versus lakers uh, beyond the fact I'm scouting future Warriors, Jonathan Isaac, and Aaron I was Gordon. just going to say, there's only one reason you're watching the – I mean, you do watch a lot of bad. We watch a lot of basketball, but uh, but Aaron Gordon, I think, is probably more like watching Aaron Gordon. Although, you know, I don't really enjoy watching Aaron Gordon. We're not – actually, we're not doing Aaron Gordon today. Let's, let's we're do, I will say this. The reason I love Orlando is because I swear to God, they have so many players who are like – that guy would look really good with Steph and Clay, but when you watch him in a team which has like no scoring, you're like, yeah, I can't. It, it's 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 like what it really is is it's if it's like watching those games where the Warriors had Steph and Clay sitting, and it was like Livingston, McCaw, Iguodala, um, Draymond, and like Zaza, and you're like, all right, they're all good, but like, is can any of them put the ball in the hoop? You know, that's Orlando. Orlando is just a bunch of guys who are probably are probably best suited to be like a Draymond or Iguodala type. <laughs> uh, by the way, I just, I'm so glad you you uh, you ended that uh, thought with that because uh, Martel Fultz is probably uh, he's getting paid too much and he will get paid too much for the next few years. But that's kind of the perfect reclamation project uh, for the Warriors. Uh, at some point, but he's making, I'm seeing 12 million and 16 million in the next two Do years. Do you so. really want Steve Kerr to coach a guy who's afraid to shoot the ball? Look, or it- do you want Steve <laughs> Kerr to coach a guy who doesn't want to shoot the ball? It's hard to say there. Uh, there was a video that, I mean, he's that a showed good player. I like Marco, but it just, it sounds, it sounds like the guy just couldn't, couldn't <laughs> mentally make it. But, uh, but you know, um, he's fun. I mean, he's like Sean. Le- well, you know what? Let's not do this. We already talked about Michael Carter Williams. Let's not do this anymore uh, with Markel Fultz. All right. What's our next topic, Sam? Um, let's hit on um, Windhorse's article today because it's prescient Warriors news. We should have got to it earlier, but. Um, prescient. Great word. <laughs> so Joe Lacob informed fellow owners a deal he's considering with Goldman Sachs to raise $250 million to manage coming expenses. Um, so, I mean, tying back to the first conversation we had about sports or a business first, um, it's worth noting the Warriors probably have 250 empl- full-time employees. It's somewhere between 200 and 300. I'm going to split the difference and say 250. They have not late. They have not furloughed anyone. Um, and just from a business model, Obviously, they make a lot of money, but they make a lot of money if games are played, right? 
Like, and we we've really hit the one thing that can ruin their business model, which is sports being canceled, which is something probably no one considered a year ago as real, right? Uh, but but here we are. And so they're trying to figure out ways to keep money floating while we have no games going. And I'm sympathetic to it because this is something every business has to consider. Now, the Warriors are luckier than your standard mom and pop shop because Joe Lacob does have access to investment banks like Goldman Sachs in a way that your favorite, you know, Taqueria or that little like clothing shop on the corner you like to buy shirts from and support doesn't, right? So I'm not saying like we should feel sorry for the Warriors per se, but like they still have to make these decisions. They still have to do this stuff. And Windhorse is highlighting the fact that the pandemic is causing a bigger divide among NBA teams because the Warriors can find investment bankers to float a money at attractive rates because those people know as soon as the doors open at Chase, whether it's next year or the year after, they print money, you know? Sam, by the way, let's pause here before you move any further. The Light Years podcast, because we've been talking about nothing but hypotheticals about the Warriors' future the last six months, four months of the pandemic, we already talked about this. That's the crazy part. We already brought up that the Warriors do have an advantage here during quote-unquote advantage here while you know maybe the salary cap goes down or these broke teams are even broker. Look, the Warriors aren't making money. $5 million apparently they make in gate money uh, during every game. They're not going to get that. They're not going to get, look, Fleetwood Mac, sorry, not going to get to play Chase Center. Real white dude, can't see him. Um, but at least we got to see Andrea Bocelli. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that is. But <laughs> <laughs> but they're still the richest team in the NBA outside of like you know the Lakers or Knicks or whoever. And that's where it gets fun from a basketball perspective, right, Sam? Because we talked about they have the ability to use that trade exception now because teams are going to offload money. And I still think that the Warriors are going to use it. In the article, they also state that teams are going to be unloading first-round picks in a way that they haven't seen in a long, long time. Yeah, That's I mean, fascinating to me. It's funny because whenever I think of offloading picks, I think of the Nash Suns. They used to sell picks. And it's one of those things where in the OOs, the this stuff wasn't covered as closely as it is now. Like... In 2020, if you have a title contender and you're selling picks to save money, you are going to be flamed as not serious, right? Uh, in the OOs, it didn't get as much coverage. And um, and they did it because they just wanted to turn a profit. Now, right. I think we're going to see a lot of smaller market teams looking at ways to cut money. And uh, Windhorse's article, I mean, I kind of went roundabout, uh, but I encourage you all to read it. He kind of said the pandemic is causing a bigger financial divide because the Warriors can get funding to stay afloat for a couple of years, assuming the gates never open and, you know, they're not turning. They don't have a revenue stream, which is ticket sales, right? The Lakers can do the same. The Knicks can do the same. The Celtics can do the same. Like the top like five or six revenue generators can do that. I don't know that a team like Utah or... Sacramento or these teams with smaller TV deals and less access to money, less branding can. And if you're a warrior fan, it's exciting because 
they're capped out. Steph, Clay, and Draymond are all get paid a lot of money. And they may have an opportunity to add talent that they may not have otherwise. All right. So here's we've spent the last couple weeks talking about the Warriors front office. And now I think it's kind of like a combination. You're seeing it. They got to make the right choices. You can't just throw a shit ton of money out there. The Knicks do that every year and they screw it up every year. So the Knicks are the prime example of just because you have money does not mean you win. No, yep, a primo example. However, the Warriors, they, they got an advantage because, like you said, they got Steph, they got Clay, they got Draymond. They got. They have a foundation. Sam? They have a, fo- they have a foundation. Like, I, I said this, um, a friend of the show, Grant Liffman, asked us to write on a war- on a roundtable. And I, I kind of said, the question was, are the Warriors a contender next year? And I said, I need to see how they round out the roster. But I do know they have the foundation of a contender. Yes. You know? Like, you know, they, and, and that's more than most teams do. They do still, and you say exciting earlier, and I, I agree because we're talking front office only and the moves that they got to make. Oh, can they get Marcus Smart? Can, can they get Josh Richardson? But also, it is kind of up to Joe Lacob to say, look, are you willing to spend that money? And it's not even talking about submitting the money on the tax uh, for the trade exception anymore or kind of the mid-level exception, taxpayer mid-level. Um, it's being creative with things like, buying a first round pick can you imagine they already buy a second round pick every year right like that's their thing that's their mo joey lakeup says screw it i'm buying patrick mccall if it doesn't work it doesn't work you know his his son says his two sons says you got to buy alan smiley geese so you know he does it it's a waste of money uh but this season you know this october when the draft comes around they have a chance to you know what if they trade back they pick up a player and then they buy a couple first round picks and now they have kind of a war chest hint, hint, wink, wink, to go at Giannis. Like, that's kind of like, that's the creative part of what the Warriors can do here if they're willing to spend the money. I have more confidence in Joe Lacob, Sam, spending the money than I do in the front office figuring out who to actually get that'll work out. Uh, but again, that is a, that's that's a co- huge competitive advantage that, I mean, we didn't even talk, think about them buying first-round picks earlier this year, but my God. It's a steep price, but it is a competitive <laughs> advantage true. that they have and only a couple teams can legitimately do so i think it's i don't want to say advantageous to them like they're you know making money off the pandemic but uh they do have an opportunity here that other teams don't and that's exciting if you're a fan and you're invested in them primarily uh putting together a winner uh because we both agree steph clay draymond maybe wiggins that's a start of something, but if you have nothing around it, that's a second round team, right? If you're, if you're throwing that out there with like McKinney, Zaza, those type of players, you're like, all right, um, there's some limitations to what they can do. I mean, Steph can always get hot and just win a series by himself and he might just do it anyway, but you'd like to have a little more there. Just have a little diversity in your offense. I agree. I think, I think it's a second round uh, finals, depending, depending on who they play. I looked up who the, what pick the Rockets have. And I forgot that they don't, they traded it all away. So um, I'm sure maybe, maybe for Tita will sell a, sell a pick to the Warriors, but I just, I forgot though. All the Rockets do is trade their, their first rounders. I forgot about that. Um, so maybe the Thunder, you know, they've got 50 first round picks. Maybe the Warriors can take one of those. Uh uh, one of those little mid-round, mid-first-round picks. I'm just looking, looking through, looking through the draft. God, it's going to be so many of these smart market teams that I'm sure if Joe Lacob says, you know, Bitcoin's at twenty, twenty thousand now. And I give you a few, hand it over. So 
Um, so it should be interesting. It got me excited, though. You know, you kind of it's it's part of like what we started the podcast with. You do feel bad for some of these teams, but again, a lot of it's like business. Um, these small market teams were ready at a disadvantage, and that's why I always said, "Why the hell do we even have these teams anyway? Just send Memphis to." Seattle. I don't know. Send some of these. Send them to Vancouver. Why? Why, why do I we like have... Memphis? I actually like. God. I like the small markets who are like passionate about their team. It's good for the league to have a little diversity. Seattle, Seattle has. Seattle has. Seattle deserves. Seattle deserves a team. I just wouldn't send Memphis to them. There's <laughs> there's far worse fan bases. Is all I'm saying. Who? Um. Who? Uh, like apathetic <laughs> ones. I don't know. Uh, Orlando. Orlando probably. Like Orlando is probably a good one. Send that one to Vancouver, man. I want, to, I want a team in Vancouver. Anyway, uh, I'm going to do another read because I think we're going to do a quick mailbag session for about 20 minutes. Um, so we got one more. All right. Everybody's favorite lawnmower 3.0 support for Lightyear's podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Uh, my friend actually used the Lightyear promo code last week um that's what we talk about sam we just we just do curls we do chest and then we talk about manscaped going well for him um that's why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0 their third gen trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to manscaped advanced skin safe technology when i tell you this is premium I mean, premium. Subscribe to Lightyear's Premium, actually. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. There is water-resistant technology that allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is there's also an LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. My God, they thought of it all. Upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor, too, with quiet stroke technology. Amazing name. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for, your, for yourself. Trim that junk, 20% off, free shipping with the code LIGHTYEARS at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Again, 20% off, free shipping, LIGHTYEARS at manscaped.com. Nice. All right, question time. All right, let's uh, hit a few. All right, from Danny Danny Burt 3-3. If Wiggins proves to fill the role the Warriors need as a quality slasher, which would open up the floor, could this end up being Clay's biggest year scoring-wise? Your thoughts? Uh, yeah. Um, crazy thing, you just look at Clay's basketball reference. You're like, my God, the guy just averages. You know, for some reason, you kind of think, okay, that guy's like, you know, second greatest shooter of all time. Um you know, just amazing score gets hot. I feel like if you are, you're a fan of another team, you kind of think like, oh, Clay probably averages like 25 points. But he actually averages in the low 20s. And uh, his highest scoring average was obviously when he played with Kevin Durant, like right at 22, 15, 16, 16, 17. Um, so, you know, I, I think I probably, I would say like, yes. But then also the guy's coming off an ACL. So how can you actually say he's going to score the most he's ever scored, right? Um, so I, I'd probably go no. Um, just it's a lot. It's a lot I think to that, ask of guys. I think um, the beauty of Clay is Clay is exactly the same Clay, whether he's playing next to Kevin Durant or Andrew Wiggins. And he's always going to shoot the ball. He can get hotter than anyone ever. 
And because he doesn't get to the line or do other things, he can also be a little inconsistent. Like he's a guy who scores 40 in one game and 15 in the next. But then on the flip side, defenses guard him. There's only one player who gets guarded more tightly than Clay in terms of his shooting ability, and that's his teammate, Steph Curry. So I don't know that we'll see Clay's numbers be different. I just think he's going to be the same clay. And I think that's actually the beauty of clay. He's going to do exactly the same thing. There was another clay question, which I liked and I, I want to, let me get to it so we can piggyback it at the same time. Um, uh, oh, here from Alibaba nine one three. Oh, with clay coming off ACL, will he have less, less defensive role so he can focus on the offense? Um, so I could take that really quickly. I don't think he'll be guarding ones and twos as much this year, actually. Um, I think they'll, they'll try their best to kind of push him down a little bit. Um, he was already playing one through four at times. Um, I think they're going to keep him primarily, you know, he can still guard ones and twos, but they're going to keep him primarily to threes and fours. I think, um, as long as the threes and fours are, can be guarded. I think it's like kind of like a Robert Covington. You can think of it that way. Right. Um, so I think that's that's what they'll go for because you just you don't want Clay chasing Dame on a new ACL. It's a lot. Yeah, I think actually this is part of the reason someone like Wiggins, younger, more athletic, you makes go. sense next to him because I think Clay is going to take the stronger wing, the one who needs more physicality, and Wiggins is going to take the quicker perimeter guy. So for example, um. When they, that way too. when they play, uh, let's try to think of a good example here. Um, I mean, you could probably go with any team, Sam. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I don't right, know. I don't even know. like, think of Boston. Think of Boston. How about go Boston? Like Kemba versus guarding like Jalen Brown, even. Yeah, like I don't think you're going to see Clay on Kemba. You'll see Clay body up Tatum, but then you might see Wiggins chase Kemba around because he's quick enough to and the length will bother him. Yep. That's a good example. Yep. In the past, Clay would be the guy on Kemba and Igudala would be the guy on Tatum, yep. right? So I think that's where it changes. I think team to team it changes. Like with the Rockets, for example, um, I don't think it matters because James Harden's still more of a methodical, you know, you're you're not chasing Harden off of screens. So so Clay can do that fine, right? But maybe Westbrook, who in the past Clay would guard, maybe that's the guy you have Wiggins stick to. Yep, um, and I, I think I think it's better that way. I think that was actually the logical pr- uh, progression for Clay's career, right? Um, as he gets older, um, and sa- same kind of goes to Draymond, where it's like at some point Draymond's not going to be able to switch on ones and twos as much as he always has. Um, but that's a story for another day. You've been slowing down on your Draymond slander, Sam. I'm a Disappointed, but you know, that's better. All right, let's go to our guy option zero. <laughs> he threw a couple questions here. Which X player is most likely uh, to be an unabashed GS dub shill in the national media? Stack Jack is now ruled out and Iggy is still playing. So, my first, I was going to say Iggy was going to be my number one, but he's gone. Um, Can't think of anyone. I mean, anyone who is on the fourteen to sixteen Warriors, like Livingston, is is a perfect example of someone I could see doing it. So I think 
Yes. Um, I also think that a lot of the Warriors, um, not really outspoken. You know, when you think of Livingston, you think of these guys. It's like, I don't see Livingston going on the jump and then making a whole Steph thing, right? Right. They, just, they don't talk much. Maybe the best guy of those teams would probably be David West, like the most outspoken. You know, a smart guy, extremely smart guy, a lot of respect around the league. Not a troller. He wouldn't, he yep. would never do the perk act. Yep. And so I think it'd be like a takes himself too seriously to be that dude. Yeah. I mean, it's just the guy's a clown. I mean, just worse and worse every day. But uh, yeah, I think Wes would be a good one. Like he, he'd be, it'd be a, it'd be genuine analysis. Uh, I wrote down Baron Davis, Sam, just he's outspoken. Um, I didn't think he was, by the way, Baron Davis now part of the Blue Wire podcast family. Shouts to Kevin Jones. Um, he, he's been tweeting a lot on Twitter, um, tweeting a lot of like, uh, not just like promo sponsored bullcrap, but like real tweets. I saw him kind of roast NBA Central, one of those like, you know, accounts um, and saying, you know, doing the, the pick one, cut one, stardom bullcrap. And uh, BD was like, why are we doing this? Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, to me, it felt like a little bit of a, I think there's a little bit of uh, uh, what Kobe was trying to do was bring analysis. I think a lot of people have talked about this, Sam, where they bring NBA analysis back to more true kind of love the game. game, about the yep, love of the game, about the game kind of analysis. And I think there's there's for athletes, for NBA athletes, because people do respect those a lot more than, you know, your Zach Lowe's, you know, Zach Lowe's smart, but he's, you know, people are going to listen to Baron Davis more if he's on TV than Zach Lowe because it's Baron Davis. And I think there's there's um, a space for that for ex players where they actually talk about the game instead of instead of someone like our friend Kendrick Perkins going on and just spouting nonsense. Shout out K Perk. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say your Baron point actually brings me to another point, which is I really enjoy watching guards talk about the Warriors uh, because guards. I think are more fair to Steph because they understand how hard what he does is like someone like uh, Kenny Smith, for example. Um, he just, he's always down to talk about how great Steph Dame Kyrie Harden these guys are because he played a lead guard position in the, in the NBA and he understands how hard it is to do that. I think what's annoying is when you get like bigs like Barkley or, you know, at least Barkley's a first ballot hall of famer, like perk where they're talking about guards. And it's like, dude, you, you're right. Right. You don't know what you're talking about in terms of that capacity or like, you're just, you're being very dismissive of their impact. uh, If it fits what you want to say. And so that's kind of like the one thing, like I'm excited for Baron to bring, to talk um, more candidly on blue wire about some of the stuff because I know he he doesn't just respect Steph. He respects Russ. He respects Dame. And if you were to ask him, he probably wouldn't honestly tell you who he thinks the best of those players. Uh, but he would give you a more honest analysis of the different ways that they Great do to things it. to impact the game. And I think that's just more interesting. Like I'm kind of over these player ranking things. Like obviously Steph's better and all of them. We know that, but but like, I I think Dame's amazing. For example, I think Russ is also amazing in his own way. And I think it's more interesting to talk about them as players and what they do and what they maybe don't do than it is to just constantly be like, let's make a list. And if someone is three and someone else is two, you know, the guy who's two is better. Yeah. Let's debate. Yeah. That's such a great point. There's a space for that. There's a huge space for that. And I think the NFL does it well. 
Um, the MLB just sucks overall at, at covering any parts of the game. But I think the NFL does it well where, you know, there's a space for like what you just said. We can talk about John Morant as a basketball player rather than is John Morant going to be the next Russell Westbrook? When is he yeah, leaving? Why, why can't he just you know? be John? Why can't he just be John Morant? Because like I actually think Jaw's super interesting because he's got like aspects of Steph, Russ, and Dame to him in various different ways, right? Ooh. And I think it's kind of cool how like instead of trying to be someone else, he's just himself. Like he's he definitely has that like he has a cockiness to him that I really like. Like he's not afraid of anyone. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Um. um that's uh that's that's a great point is there any i god i love that i love it just it gets me excited like i bring this point up all the time it's just watching like brian baldinger sam right do breakdowns and he's just genuinely excited about that and it's not like it's not like a whole it's not we'll see it on espn or whatever but it's just like it's exciting to see something like that where he's talking about dj jones like who the hell is dj jones but it makes you excited for the game and you know what doesn't make me excited for the game steph curry ranked you know, number four on the point guard list. And then we got to do the whole fucking charade of why Steph this, why Steph that. So <sighs> enough, enough. Um, I think we should take one more. That B-Ball Cats question is pretty good. I think we should leave. I think we should end with that one. What do you think? Okay. Um, all right, Steph so B- hasn't, I'll read it. Um, okay. Steph hasn't had any consistent play since June, 2019. That's worrisome. Uh, assuming next season starts in December, that's 18 months without any competitive play. Do you think that will actually benefit him physical and mental rest or hurt him? Loss of momentum, Rusty. Mm, You want it to go first or do you want me to defend Steph? I'll let you go first. (laughs) Of course. Of course. I think it benefits him because my two favorite players in basketball history are Steph Curry and Steve Nash. I looked up Steve Nash. Uh, Steve Nash at his age 33 season, which is when uh, Steph is going to be back, uh, hopefully. Played 30 minutes, four minutes per game, which is about what Steph has played uh, last few years. Played all 81 games. Oh, sorry, 81 out of 82. Um, and then after three seasons after Sam, he played 74, 81, and 75. So Steve Nash is a good example, but how about, how about Jordan? Ooh. How about LeBron? How about LeBron? Whoa, whoa. Jordan took 18 months off. Um. Sam's doing it better than me. Oh, here we go. LeBron essentially missed half of last year. Unless you think Steph is washed, which I don't. Like, he forgot how to dribble. He's lost athleticism to a point where he can't get System. it back. System. Um, I think it benefits him. I With Steph, the biggest worry is always the same worry, which is how long does his body hold up? But I do think the layoff is good for him. And I think it has an opportunity to re-energize him to put another three-year run together. Um, and if it happens, that'd be great. If it doesn't, oh well. But I don't see any downside to this because he's he hasn't been out with a serious injury. Like, Correct. Clay's been out with an ACL, and there's questions about what he looks like when he comes back. I'm not necessarily super concerned, but I mean, it's a real thing. Steph broke his hand and this is more of a layoff type of thing. So it's more, if you believe in his work ethic, he'll be back. Yep. 
I agree. Um, I think there's just kind of looking at the trends of players before him. And obviously, you know, MJ's up there. Although with LeBron, to me, it's kind of not worth a comparison just because LeBron's a freak body-wise. And yes. you kind of look at it's it. A, it's, it's, a, it's a bad. I was, I was just trying six, to think of players who took time off at that six, age. 6'10". Yeah, right. Uh, but and, and so I think with Steph, it's, it's, I think he has two, two to three elite seasons left before the drop happens. I still think he's a very, very above-average player even once the drop happens. Um, but I think he has two to three seasons left, and you're talking about three-year run, and that's really what the Warriors have here, right? It's not just about Steph. They have about three seasons here, I think, to win a title or two. Um, and I think it just it lines up perfectly. Look, Steph's not going to be 28 years old forever. He's not going to be you know, like that great forever, but he does, in my opinion, still have MVP caliber um, play for a few more seasons. So I think, I think he's still going to be able to play there unless freak injuries happen. Um, and that's a tough part. I think the last time... You know, Steph truly, truly was healthy. They went 16 and one. I mean, that team was incredible, but that's what that's what happened. They were unstoppable. Steph was also really good last season in the postseason. Um, he hurt his hand, but he was also he was also pretty damn good. It's just the expectations for Steph are so high. Um, and so I think uh, I think he's got a, still got a few uh, few years left before he hits the uh, the old uh, the old wall. Um, also, uh, the system is built around Steph's off ball game. Uh, which if he is losing quickness on ball, which I think you could agree he's lost a little bit of quickness on ball, he is able to kind of um, weather that by playing off ball because that's still something that he's better than everybody in the world at, maybe outside of Clay Thompson. Uh, so I think that that gives him also more time uh, to be just as effective. Absolutely. Um, okay, we'll call it there. We'll be back next week. We're going to get a bubble pool going this week. For a little gambling, a little daily fantasy. I'm ready. Where is it at? Where is it going to be on? I think we're going to do DraftKings. Perfect. Um, ready to win some money, lose some money. Whatever. I'm in. The, the, the people need sports back, Sam. You know, hope everyone's doing all right. No, no bubble uh, positive stuff. So the NBA's doing something right. So DraftKings, um, we'll tweet it. Join us. Let's go. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.